politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew as if this is 1776, except the stakes are much greater. It's our life, liberty, property, our humanity, all of it, brain, mind, and soul, all on the line here at CR Podcast today for Tuesday, May 16th. And it's like every day, you you got to switch off. Which one do you focus on? The invasion of our body, the invasion of our border, the invasion of our culture. And I was hoping that the whole Title 42 thing last week would create this inflection moment that we did never we we did not get never got with medical freedom to finally force a unified front on the issue and I think we're teetering a little bit where Greg Abbott is stepping up on the border a little bit more uh, finally getting more aggressive with Texas DPS with the National Guard some other states are requesting I'm here in Florida might send a thousand or so of their National Guard there. We're finally getting there. But then they're letting the air out of the balloon, just like they did with the lockdowns. You know, Mayorkas is putting out some confusion about Title VIII and what that is, so the cartels are still trying to figure out what's going on. It's not over. They're all there on the line in in, in Mexico, and if we don't stay focused, they're going to invade. But as always... It always gets back to Trump. So it was Alvin Bragg. Now it's the Durham report. And there's really nothing new about the Durham report. <laughs> the Durham report is like, yeah, it was unjustified to look into the Russian collusion. Well, it's not unjustified. It's that the CIA and the FBI downright colluded with the Hillary campaign to win an election for them and really did it again in 2020. And for, for those in this audience, it's nothing new. Oh my gosh, if the government could do that, they can do anything. Well, if the government could poison you, invade you, work with the cartels, literally, strategically, to invade the country, if they could uh, engage in a psyop against uh, high school kids to double the number of people who don't even know what gender they are, yeah, of course they could collude on a campaign. I mean, that's old news. To me, anything short of just saying you're going to strip down the FBI's authority, like I said, there's two things that need to happen. I'm all for abolishing the FBI, but you got to have a more achievable thing. I am saying that you need to strip it of everything except for things that are international in scope, like sex trafficking. In other words, rather than having an open-ended authority, it's only an authority over the statutes we give them. And if they're caught circumventing that and going into any, any other lane, you can bring criminal charges against the individual agents. And the CIA, too, if they operate against Americans, because the CIA is definitely implicated in the Russian hoax thing, anything short of that is a waste of time. So I want to hear action items. I want to hear this in the budget bill. Otherwise, it's just going to distract from what we can do now on, on medical freedom and the border. And let's face it, it's all designed to make one man look good, uh, one man who had his chance and won't do anything. And frankly, nobody is going to do anything about that enough which is why, as you well know, here we are all about what we can do right now in the states rather than 2025 at a federal level. Because to me, I think our government, and it's underscored with this whole Durham thing, unfortunately our own government is the enemy that needs to be defeated rather than somehow fixed. I don't, I don't know how you fix that, but that's just me. And, and by the way, as the FBI and CIA spy on you, and work with big tech and big data to uh, 
literally watch what you're doing. Now is the time to protect your phone and your privacy with a refuge ghost sleeve. Okay, even when your phone is off, the microphones and cameras and location trackers still work. I mean, that's been proven. Uh, there's no way the FBI doesn't know where you are. Um, and, and that's, by the way, even the tech people without the FBI, they have their ability to do that. And this is a big problem. That's why I got for my wife a refuge ghost sleeve. It's very comfortable. It's, a, it's a, made of American buffalo leather. It blocks 5G signals that other Faraday sleeves miss. And it's the only Faraday sleeve that blocks signal and sound. They added sound blocking panels on each side. Keeps your conversations private. Also, it's not a clunky metal box. It looks good. It feels good. It's not so heavy. Um, folks, you can't be too careful these days. Visit refugeprivacy.com today. Use promo code Daniel to save 10% off your order. That's refuge, as in R-E-F-U-G-E, privacy.com, promo code Daniel for 10% off. Don't let big tech and the FBI spy on you. So, folks, we're going to have a really special guest coming up um, to give a border briefing. And he might disagree with me, but I think Greg Abbott has shown he is amenable to pressure which is why we need to keep it up. And we're teetering at the border, literally right there. On the one hand, the numbers are going down because of the work of Texas DPS and also because Mayorkas put out these mixed signals where he seemed to indicate that, oh, maybe you won't be let in. Mind you, they're still letting in plenty of people. We're talking about a baseline that was really high that they were going to increase the goal of the Biden administration is the same thing as it was with lockdowns. They want to have a maximum achievement with the least amount of attention. So they like the way the border has been the last number of months. It's been crazy, but no one cared. This reached a new level, and they had to deal with it because they don't want our side to be focused. And let's face it, they're not focused and they're easily distracted. So they're lining them up on the Mexican border, and they're trying to strategically work with the cartels to see what are the best places to bring them in and what sort of process through which to bring them in so that it doesn't raise too much attention and we can continue talking about Trump all day. That's basically what they want. And, you know, look, Greg Abbott is starting to do each of these things um, but I am a little bit concerned about some of the bureaucracy and the leadership of the Texas National Guard. Some of them are a little bit too focused, too concerned on what the Pentagon thinks, and they're worried about where their next paycheck comes from. So I, I, I think some of them are holding back, and we'll ask our next guest about this. But I want to make it very clear. Texas has the right to defend its own border. They were doing this For most of our history, the Border Patrol wasn't even created until 1924. It's interesting. There's this adjutant general report, Texas adjutant general from 1884. It's hilarious how history not only repeats itself, but it rhymes. He wrote a um, memo to the governor at the time was uh, Governor John Ireland. 
quote, for some reason, Texas, like many other border states and territories, was left by the general government without adequate protection against these constantly recurring invasions and raids. And as a matter of absolute and overpowering necessity, the state had to make some regular and systemic provision for affording protection and giving security if possible to our people. And you see, for many years, they actually asked the government for repayment, for compensation for their own uh, you know, Texas Rangers having to secure the border. So again, the, the, the recipe is simple. Abbott needs to lean into the legislative session by demanding passage of HB 20, making a trespassing felony of all aliens caught in the state, loosening self-defense laws for the ranchers, giving more resources to allow Texas DPS and National Guard and State Guard to operate at the border and repel the invasion, marshal in as many local law enforcement as you want, um, create this border protection unit, allow military veterans to sign up, so new people to train, accept and, uh, and as many people from all over the country as you can get. I know Florida is offering, they say Idaho offered, deputize as many Texans to enforce it, and then send the government the bill. The Texas federal delegation in the in the appropriation bill, they need to say, wait a minute, you have to reimburse Texas. So spend, run up that bill. Run up the bill. It's working, but they don't have enough resources to do it in every area. So they did a good job at Brownsville, but now, you know, it seems like they're headed towards Eagle Pass, Del Rio type of area, you know, the central area, Kinney County, Uvalde area. Um, that's where they're going to keep going. And you need more resources. That's the bottom line. And and finally, I mean, I think, and, and, and Greg Abbott hinted at this before, but he never followed through. Part of the appropriation needs to be incentives to to allow um, Border Patrol, you know, federal agents operating in Texas to switch uniforms. Come join either the Texas Guard, Texas DPS, or this new Border Protection unit out of Texas under HB 20. That's what he needs to do. And, and some of it he's starting, and I want to give him credit, but it's like I don't hear him leaning into the legislative session the way DeSantis did in Florida. And in fact, I almost fell out of my seat yesterday when I saw he said, if you don't pass school vouchers, I'm going to you know, call for a special session on school vouchers. And I'm thinking, I, I, look, we all agree on that issue, but why? Is that really the top three? Especially in Texas with the invasion? It's just so weird. Again, it gets back to the Durham report and Trump. And it just, it's, it's weird what is a top issue with Republicans and what isn't. It's just so weird how there's these special interests that somehow made school vouchers an emergency, like like an urgent emergency beyond any other issue. And that's what he's willing to go to bat for, but not the invasion. I don't get it. Obviously, we could talk about building building the wall, although I would just say that Texas should make sure they don't have gates in it, or if they do, they don't give the keys to uh, the feds, because right now the feds are letting them in. And by the way, it would actually be better if Border Patrol would be abolished at this point. Do you know that they're seeking Border Patrol? Um, I was speaking with Todd Bensman yesterday, and he was saying he would speak in Spanish or maybe through an interpreter with some of these dudes, and they would ask, hey, are those guys like, 
are they going to give me asylum? Are they, you know, going to going to let me in? So they made sure to tell him, no, no, no. Those are the green shirts. These are, are you know, the, the blue shirts, um, which you're looking at. Those are the Texas guys. They're going to throw you across the river. They literally respond to incentives. Border Patrol is actually working with the cartels now. It's so sad. But if you didn't have them, it would be too chaotic for too many people to cross. And either they wouldn't or would force the issue immediately because you would see um, like just these pictures of the invasion. Instead, Border Patrol is there to, as methodically and orderly as possible, flow them into the country and then release most of them with a, you know, a notice to appear to an immigration judge in three years from now. So there's some good news, but we got to step on the gas pedal, not take away the pressure like we always do, and we can't afford to do to the border what, frankly, we did with the vaccines. And by the way, they're working on, there's more news on that. We can talk about that tomorrow with uh, monkeypox and with the flu mRNA. This is happening. Flu, RSV. They're going to poison millions of more people and they're going to get away with it because nobody cares. Because, again, one man sucks out the oxygen. And I understand. I'm not saying the FBI is not an important issue. It is an important issue. But are you going to solve it? Or is this just designed to always focus on one man? Trump looks like a hero yesterday rather than a zero for dumping on a red state heartbeat bill with exceptions. I thought that was the holy grail of Republican politics for 50 years. Now suddenly it doesn't matter. Nothing matters just to service the man. I'm just sick of it. So we're going to focus on what we focus on. As always, our interview today is sponsored by Jace Medical. Um, that's J-A-S-E medical.com. Folks, let's face it. You are screwed. <laughs> we already have... Um, most of the FDA's most essential medications are not available and have a shortage, a severe shortage in many cases. Um, they're not made here. We're beholden to China. Either China will cut it off, or even if we have a president that you know declares independence, you're going to have a transition period where you're going you're to see some pain. That's why things like the Jace case from Jace Medical are so important. It provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use if you can't get it if, if you know you got to shop around you got to travel 100 miles to a pharmacy to get it because the ones around you are out here you have it right where you are jace medical was founded by a small town doctor who was alarmed at watching this so they figured let's get it to people how do they get it to you you go to jacemedical.com fill out a questionnaire you get a legally valid prescription and to offer code review at checkout and you will have it, that peace of mind within a couple of days that your Jace case is there for any, you know, UTI, sinus infection, any other, you know, staph infection. Um, we, we've learned that really, you know, antibiotics is life-saving. So many people die from these sorts of infections, and they could come in at any time. So again, jacemedical.com, promo code REVIEW to prepare and take your own healthcare in your own hands. So folks, in all my years doing this, I don't know why I've never had our next guest on, but I am atoning for that sin today. Michael Yan. He served as a Green Beret in the 1980s and became a reporter and a photographer. 
and really nobody else does this. He's he's the foremost combat correspondent we've had. It began in Iraq and Afghanistan, more recently covering the border invasion, which is a form of asymmetric warfare. He's been in almost every corner of the world, and boy, does he bring a diverse skill set to the table. Recently, his pioneering work on the Darien Gap, we've talked about that a little bit in Panama, and the external support of this invasion has been highlighted by Congress, and he's been all over the place. He does have a few books out that are still very relevant and very riveting as well. You can check out on Amazon. And, of course, you don't know what's going on at the border if you don't follow him on Twitter at Michael underscore Yon, Y-O-N, on Twitter. Michael, welcome to the fir- for the first time to the Blaze Media. Thank you. I really appreciate your having me on. In fact, I just got off a long call this morning with about uh, 10 congressmen or so. They wanted to talk about Darien Gap and also this border that I'm on here up in um, right now. I'm in Texas. I'm in El Paso. Last night I was in New Mexico on the border. Uh, people were throwing ro- border patrol. We were right by the um, by the wall. So, you know, right at the border. And there was, you know, a lot of uh, aliens coming over and border patrol were grabbing them up. And then at one point, while Border Patrol was searching some aliens right by the wall, we started getting pelted with giant rocks from over the walls. Very dangerous, actually. And um, so this is, I don't know, late at night, maybe close to midnight or so. And um, yeah, I don't know, we're out there so much. you know. And, uh, and so it's just on and on and on. Uh, there were about four bodies. Yeah, there were four bodies found in this area over the last week. I don't know who they were or circumstances of their death. It's not um, it's not secret, but it's not really published publicized much. It was on a news report yesterday, and then I asked a border patrol last night, and he said, "Yeah." He goes, "You know, it just happens all the time." You know. Meanwhile, basically in the last few days down in the Darien Gap, I'm sorry if I sound like I'm tired. I literally got in from the border, <laughs> slept about two hours, woke up, did the thing with the congressman, and transitioned right over with you, Daniel. And so, so it's like we're we're running hard. So anyway, uh, uh, the, the the rainy season has started in the Darien Gap, and um, about 160 people have died in the last few days that we know about in the Darien Gap. And so there's a team down there right now. I know them, and so they're sending me updates. And, uh, of course, I just left Darien Gap. I came from Darien Gap straight to this border for Title 42 because this is all part of the same ecosystem of of the weaponization of migration. So so I want to talk about the weaponization factor, but before, I just want to pick it up from the border itself. There's a lot of confusion out there as to what's going on. On the one hand, it seems like uh, Texas military authorities – the guard as well as DPS has stepped up their gain a little bit in Brownsville in the far East. And the numbers are going down. On the other hand, we still are seeing a lot of catch and release. So could you give us a little bit of an overview of what the state and feds are doing? And does it vary by border sector? If we skip to the bottom line, nothing has changed other than the, the total flow is increasing. Now, if you look at, What's happening about the last four days or so, uh, it's decreased. However, this is like, you know, looking at the day-to-day flows is like looking at a man going, walking upstairs with a yo-yo. You know, the don't pay attention to the yo-yo. The clear trend is upstairs. Yeah. Uh, for instance, down in well, – the reason I spend so much time in places like Colombia and Panama, Darien Gap, and, and that sort of thing is because I'm checking the – 
I'm checking the inputs, right? So, and the inputs are clearly increasing. There's no question about it. That's a done deal. And so, um, what, what we see here, you know, paying attention to these flows for the last about four days, uh, decreasing is just the yo-yo. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the trend. And so, by the way, when it comes to Brownsville and the National Guard, this whole hotel I'm this staying is is filled up. I have to check out today because it's basically a little army base. You know what I mean? It's filled with active duty and National Guard. It's filled with uh, uh, Homeland Security and whatnot. Almost all these hotels around here are filled with them. It's like a virtual army base, right? And that and the and the contractors who are building a huge camp at in Northeast um, El Paso. Uh, the, so we, the 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 camps are being increased uh, on the on the borders. More camps are being put in. At least three more that I know of. There may be more. I'm going to drop from the border here shortly and. and uh, uh, and, and over the next week, study the camps a little more. Uh, but the camps are clearly being increased in size. You, you can see um, our government, the U.S. government, is clearly pushing hard to increase the flow. For instance, we're increasing the infrastructure down in the Darien Gap to help more aliens get from Africa and Asia and South America through the Darien Gap. That's a done deal. It's just a fact of life. So the invasion, you know, this when I was talking with about 10 congressmen this morning, um, it was, a you know, just a big conference call. Um, you know, th some were talking about the some are, are really dialed in. They see that this is a global picture that's unfolding, uh, not just, you know, the cartels in Mexico, the cartels in Mexico on the global scale are bit players. Now, when it comes to the local issues, they're huge players. But on the global scale, they're just another part of another e a little ecosystem in, right? in other words you're I, saying it's not like the cartels recruit them from around the world they're just positioned to monetize weaponize in their part of mexico when they come through but ultimately they don't determine you know who leaves kyrgyzstan and china and venezuela to come there so could you pick up from that a little bit when you say that the feds are working to orchestrate it what do you mean by that Oh, it's like open and in your face to those who travel with me. Uh, the uh, yeah, all these different cartels, whether it's in Colombia or uh, Panama or Costa Rica or whatever, they, it's all just different ecosystems, right? So as the aliens flow through, uh, they are they've been hit with a lot of information war about how to get to the United States. Like I've got videos that I've published on my Twitter and that sort of thing. You know, like Chinese videos in Mandarin showing exactly how to get to the United States and how to get over the fence with a ladder that you made right these are actual videos that are put out there right so there's this, there's this first of all there's this whole meta universe of information campaigns encouraging people to come right and you'll see that on tell when you're in colombia it's like i saw it on cnn in colombia in spanish you know what i mean and telling people how to get through the dairy and gap you can't even make up this stuff so this is stuff that americans don't see because it's happening downrange so you've got uh, maps that are handed out by the red cross i've got one right here actually right in front of me uh, picked it up in Darien Gap. They actually hand those out in Darien Gap. I got a pre-rape kit, uh, a kit for being raped. These are handed out in um, 
in uh, Colombia. I just showed the congressman. Kit? What's that for? It's, it's, it's a, for getting raped. They handed out the women and children. Uh, I just showed it to the congressman this morning on our on our conference call. <laughs> it's a it's got male condoms, female condoms. It's got a, a like a hand generator flashlight. It's got uh, after you know uh, the abortion pills that you take the day after. Uh, yeah, it's an actual rape kit for being raped because they know how many women and children are are raped and killed in the Darien Gap and. And uh, so they've started just handing out rape kits. You know, I mean, you can't make up this stuff. It's like out of Dr. Evil. So, I mean, there's this whole giant ecosystem of NGOs as well, like uh, Catholic Charities, Highest, Norwegian Refugee Council, Red Cross. And I call Doctors Without Borders, whom I've started to call Doctors Without Morals. Uh, Actually, a lot of the doctors that I've talked with in Doctors Without Borders, actually, I think are quite good people. But they don't realize – They don't realize what they're uh, doing. They're facilitating this. And you're saying they get funding from the federal government, these organizations. Oh, yeah, big time. Like, for instance, uh, the when Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, he went down there and – April of 2022 to Darien Gap landed right in front of me in four Black Hawk helicopters, and he just did it again in April of this year in 2023. I was also there for that. Since last year, they have dramatically increased the size of the camps in the Darien Gap. For instance, San Vicente Camp, where I go into quite often, uh, that one has about more than doubled in size. Another one called Las Blancas is, say, more than, let's say, three or four times. It's hard to kind of figure it out, actually, but it looks about three or four times bigger. And then there's about five major camps in Panama, depending on how you count them. And, and there's a lot of minor camps, but they've all been expanded. And this is uh, in a meeting when Mayorkas came this April, somebody that was in the meeting told me uh, that Mayorkas said, hey, we put $18 million into Panamania, you know, into Panama operations last year on expanding the operations. And it was interesting because the Panama official told me, well, that's interesting because we only got one million and I'm the person who would know because I'm the person who would see the one million. So Mayorkas said right in the meeting, we gave 18 million and this person in the Panamanian government said, we only got one million. In fact, we spent eight million feeding the aliens who are coming through. The Panama government doesn't want this. It's destabilizing Panama. For instance, many of the uh, Venezuelans, about 11 percent – This during this meeting, it was about a two-and-a-half-hour meeting with uh, uh, Panamanian government officials maybe five weeks ago. They were like, you know, a lot of the people that are coming through here are staying. Like our population now is about 11 percent new – Venezuelans. Wow. I, I said, hold I said, hold on just a minute. What did you just say? Can you repeat that? And she said, 11% so, Venezuelans. So I said, I, I new Venezuelans? Back this up. Said, I want to yes. start from the beginning here because a lot of people have heard of the Darien Gap, but I want to talk about its significance. Obviously, we still do have people that come from Mexico, from the Northern Triangle, but anyone coming from extracontinental or from South America, they have to pass through this Darien Gap in Panama. Explain the significance of that smuggling route and how that's the linchpin to either uh, uh, incentivizing the flow or choking it off. Darien Gap is massively important. Panama, anywhere that you see my feet on the ground is important. I don't waste time, right? I just came in from Japan and Netherlands doing the same stuff, looking at the same ecosystem. And then I go back to Panama. I keep going back to Panama. Uh, Panama, Panama, Panama. Panama Canal is there. 5% of world trade goes through Panama Canal, right? CCP, Chinese Communist Party, is making a strong go at, at taking Panama slowly but surely. So there's that. There's the hourglass of trade that goes through the Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. Then, then – Atop that, 
is the other hourglass of the whole world can funnel through South America, you know, Africa and uh, the Africans and Asians can go can get into South America. Right. Many of them like Haitians and Cubans often would go to Suriname in South America as an example, because they can go there without without a visa. Right. Those two countries could go to there without a visa to, to Suriname. Um, others like the Chinese will go to Quito, Ecuador first. Actually, many people go to Quito because Quito lets a lot of people in without um, without a visa. Uh, or you can get it on arrival depending on your – it doesn't matter. Bottom line is you can get to Quito, right? So then they take a bus from Quito about 50 hours, so about two days, to a place called Nicocli. Bottom line is the whole world, including Venezuela, which has collapsed, and Colombia, which is on shaky knees, you got all these different groups – funneling through the Darien Gap. That's why I spend so much time there. Ever since Biden's been president, I've been spending months down there uh, because I know what this means. They are, our government and the World Economic Forum and the CCP are clearly building Darien as a massive weaponized invasion route to the United States. This is not conspiracy theory. I've taken two congressmen down. I just told these about 10 that I just talked with a couple hours ago. I'll take them down. Uh, Jordan Peterson wants me to take him down uh, and other people like that. Are, you know, they're starting to see how important this is and uh, because this is – this weaponized migration is overwhelming the United States. What's happening down here on the border? Uh, I'm in Texas right now in El Paso. The border's not far from me. You'll see um, the National Guard and the Army and the Border Patrol and everybody else is facilitating the influx. They may be grumbling and growling. Some are. Some are not. Some are happy with it. Some are just getting paid. Others are uh, they're unhappy, but they're still doing it. It's still like a Heil Hitler moment, moment. You know what I mean? You look back, I've read, you know, I used to, I lived in Germany for four years. I've read so many books about World War II. I speak German because I went to the military language school for German. And I've read so many books about how that happened. And you look back at the Germans, you're like, boy, was that stupid. How could they have ever done that? And then I look and see what's happening now. And I see, <laughs> well, I can see it. Because most of you talk with people in El Paso and they don't even know what's happening at the border. Wow. Same in Del Rio, same in Brownsville. You go to Brownsville on the other side of that, you go to Del Rio, you go to different parts of Texas and you talk with them about it in the border towns and they don't know what's going on. So all these all these things I used to hear about the Germans in World War II, they're like, we didn't know what was going on at Treblinka or Dachau. And I'm like. Now I get it. You know what I mean? And you didn't I have the internet back then. Now you have all this stuff, and it's, it kind of reminds me of the vaccine injury. You know, people, you, you could live through it, and it's like the Super Bowl of news for you. But for other people, they don't know. Same thing with the border. So I want to get back to the Darien Gap because I want to explain it on, on just a basic level. Are you explaining it? Thusly, so our border is two thousand miles, so very hard to secure if you have Venezuelans going in all different directions. But but in the Darien Gap, it's a tiny strip of land. So isn't it true that if our government worked with Panama, they could choke off this Venezuelan flow pretty easily? Oh, it's a joke. I mean, because during COVID, people say, oh, you can't close it. Nonsense. Total nonsense. It was closed like a water valve during during the COVID lockdown. Nobody got through that gap. You know what I mean? In fact, some and of the... Uh, it? It, uh, well, the place where they actually... I mean, the few paths that, well, okay, hold on. There's a whole ecosystem of crossing places, right? Some come through by sea on the Pacific side, not very many. Others come through by sea on different parts. There's an ecosystem of uh, 
of trails, but there's just a small area that you really need to close. And, and it's quite easy to do, actually. Keep in mind, it's very, you still got to cross the Panama Canal at some point, and there's only two bridges. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> the, I mean you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's so, very so wait, wait. easy. I want people they, to understand that. It yeah. It's very profound. Yeah. Again, it doesn't handle the people north. Obviously, their origin is, let's say, Guatemala. But for now, the big flow is Venezuela. And you're saying we're talking about, oh, 2,000 miles, the wall, this and that. And you're saying there's two bridges on the Panama Canal. The Panamanian government itself doesn't want them. So that should be pretty easy to deal with. Simple. I mean, they closed it off like locked tight during the pandemic lockdown. It was nobody was getting through. Now, don't get me wrong. And some people say you can't close it. And I'm like, I get it. Everybody knows there's always a Rambo that can slip through. But it won't be 2,000 people a day. It won't be 10,000 people a day, right? It'll just be like one or two. We can handle one or two. It's not a big deal, right? It's not a big deal even a few hundred here or there. It's not a big deal. But we are being overwhelmed by the millions, and I'm not understating that. Millions with an M. It's clearly coming. And the World Economic Forum has been crystal clear that they're trying to drive at least 1.2 billion with a B to migrate, right? Not just to the United States, but to Europe and other places. That's why I spend so much time in Japan. They're trying to do this to Japan. I've written three books on information war that are only in Japanese. They're not even in English. I've been trying to wake up the Japanese for 10 years to this. And I'm telling you, it's coming down. We're going into this is a weapon. Weaponized migration, most people don't realize it yet, but we are in an actual state of war at this point. This is a, this is a real war. This is not uh, like maybe things will get worse. No, our economy is collapsing. There is not going to be enough food. It's crystal clear. I've been warning about the food issues now for about three years. In fact, I took Jordan Peterson out to a farm in, uh, in Netherlands and spent a couple days with him out there. And then uh, – then I went back on a show a second time talking about the same issues, and now he wants to go down to Dairy Gap. He sees this. Some of the smart guys like that actually see it. You see it. Uh, some of the congressmen this morning on the phone call, you could tell, actually get it. And other ones just like they're, they, they seem to think it's just a little local issue and a little tiny policy issue. It's not a tiny policy issue. You are actually at war. There's clearly – uh, uh, like last night, I was having a meeting in this hotel lobby, and uh, on the television came uh, the, right at the in front of the little fireplace, not lit up, of course. There, there's um, you know, they're talking about white supremacy and stuff on the television, right? This is clearly information precursors to doing a genocide, and that I mean that word in full, uh, full force. I'm not overstating it. Uh, and it, the people who've read my work for the last 20 years, just pick the people who haven't read my work, just pick 10 or 20 random dispatches that I wrote, especially go back, let's say 10 years ago. That way we've got plenty, you know, 10 years of unfolded between just pick, t throw a dart, read my old stuff and see if it's come to pass or not. <laughs> I would have thought you were crazy the back then, but not anymore after living yeah. through the last couple of years. So my question to you is I want, I want to get to extracontinental. There's a lot of Venezuelans, but there's people from everywhere. Why is it that there seems to be more Chinese coming over? Where is that coming from? And my understanding was you don't just leave China in mass, you know, have thousands of people just leave China without them being involved in it. You can't just leave permanently. Who are these Chinese coming over? The vast majority are young military age males. Um, I've just got, um, uh, I would say about 80% or so 
uh, or military age males. I just got another report this morning about um, military age Chinese male who did cross to the. He went through a very strange route. He went. He did, he did an abnormal route. He went through Thailand. Uh, he went through. Um, he went through Turkey and he went back to Thailand, I think, which was kind of weird. And then he ended up. Bottom line is he ended up in Quito. And uh, again, Ecuador, because that's how the Chinese, and he went through the Darien Gap, and now he just made it to Brooklyn, he just made it there, and he immediately got a drive, uh, temporary driver's license, like immediately. He, he hit the ground, he just got the driver's license like last week, right? So, I mean, this is a pro, you know what I'm saying? There's three Chinese intelligence agencies we need to be concerned about. One is called public security, right? That's like their FBI. That's the ones that set up the police stations in New York, set up the police stations in um like uh, in in uh, Dublin, Ireland, I was over at their yep. police station in Dublin earlier, what maybe six months ago. They're, they've got one in London. I was at that one in London about six months ago or so. Uh, they've got them all over the world, right? That's public security. So that's like their FBI. They administer Chinese Communist Party law around the world. They have kidnapped people. This is like a known. They've actually admitted to it. They did it in Thailand to some Hong Kong Hong Kongers that they were selling books about. Anyway. Skip past all that. They have kidnapped people. The next uh, Chinese intelligence agency we need to be concerned about is called MSS. That's a Ministry of State Security. Ministry of State Security is like their CIA, right? So they're all over the place. And then the next one is called the GS of the PLA. That's the General Staff of the People's Liberation Army. I met a guy about five weeks ago in the Daring Gap. I really strongly think he was GS, General Staff. I think that for various reasons. One is, um, as you can tell, I do this. Guy? Well, I met him right as he came out of the Gap. So he, it was late at night. I was just waiting along this one route that they come out of because you can get people will talk more at nighttime especially when they're alone especially when they're tired right and so uh he just come out of the gap he was tired dragging and itching he had been been eaten up by scabies or something and it could have been modern guy bugs it doesn't matter but he was itching tired hungry and uh and i and i talked with him for about an hour and a half got him some food and that sort of thing and uh, and he's uh, and, and he had what they call the official accent for people who study China. When I say official accent, you know what I'm talking about. He had that. Right. So it sounded like he may have gone to the Luyang language school. Right. So he, That's a, he conversed with you in English. Oh, very good English. Wow. People that have heard some of the audios and whatnot. Uh, they're like, he doesn't have an accent. And I said, no, he, he has an accent. You can clearly hear it. But it's extremely good. And, you know, it, here's the thing. If you learn a language. That's very different from your own, say, Mandarin to English or Mandarin to German or Japanese or Italian or something. Uh, you, you, if you're if, if you're if you're swapping from say Cuban Spanish to Mexican Spanish, you can get rid of your accent, right? But if it, but if it's a very different language, like Mandarin to English, you have to learn it. Bef- almost everybody has to learn it before puberty to not have an accent, mm. right? So if you're going to learn a language after puberty and it's a very different language. You're probably going to have an accent and you're probably never really going to get rid of it completely, no matter how old you are. Right. Uh, some people can, but they're very rare. So there's a there's a workaround around this when you're making deep cover spies, though, like there's this language school, Luyang, China. I went to a military language school in the United States. It was in California. But our language school was not teaching you how to be a spy. It was just teaching you how to speak the foreign language. I went for German. Right. And so so uh, but most of the people. If you're if you're going to a spy language school, 
Now it's a little bit different. You need to learn a lot of cultural stuff, right? Like, for instance, your teachers will be from the United States and Canada and that sort of thing. You'll be watching Gilligan's Island and Bonanza and watching our baseball games and football, watching CNN and stuff like that. You'll 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 just be totally immersed and you'll know when to say things like, hey, bro, what's going on? You know, they got the vernacular like he had that he he really he, he you know, he made a I could tell he hadn't – you had to keep in mind, I do this for a living. You know what I'm saying? Most people he could fool. But for me, I could tell – You know, he, he made a few mistakes here and there, but he was very good. He could have fooled most people and said that he had been in the United States 20 years, and, and you'd probably believe him. So this guy doesn't um, look like a huddled masses type of poor no, guy. You know, he's very fit, very fit, very smart, eyes looking at everything, very alert even though he was tired. Uh, and, um, and I've got his phone number. We tracked him back. He, he said some things like, for instance, he was tired. And, uh, and I said, uh, how'd you get here? You know, he starts telling a story. He said, uh, oh, I went to Bahamas and I bought a boat for, uh, $5,000 in NASA from a, uh, a Scotsman. So he said he's paid 5,000 bucks. I don't know what kind of boat he got for 5,000 bucks, but he said he was heading to Florida and he ran out of fuel and he said the U S coast guard picked him up. Right. So I checked. U.S. Coast Guard did encounter this guy on March 8th. That's a fact. So that that checked out. So he he did. He, he's uh, so they sent him back. So he said that they sent the U.S. Coast Guard sent him back to the Bahamas, and he said that the Bahamas was deporting him back to China, and he his stopover flight was in Cuba. He changed his flight and his carry on flight over. At, in Cuba to Quito, Ecuador, which is what they do. And then he got on the bus, went to Nacocli, you know, two-day bus ride, went to Copacabana by boat, which I've done. And then he went to the Darien Gap. It came as he as he left the jungle, I intercepted him, right? And so at that point, you know, got his phone number and all these sorts of things. He contacted me a few days ago. He's uh, he didn't say where he was at this time, but before he said he was in Mexico, and he mentioned he was going to Egypt. Uh, I think he realizes this point at this point, he may have a difficult time getting into the United States. Uh, but you know, we, we've got an old photo of him now. Uh, we've been able to track back a lot of things like looks like possibly a military photo. It's, it's unclear, but he, he clearly as a, is a specially trained dude. You don't learn English at that level and those <laughs> sorts of things that he knows and the way he was throwing things around without going to a very serious spy school. And, you know and what if I you're mean? like that, you don't desperately go through the Darien Gap and make such a trek to find yourself a better life. Oh, I, I you know, <laughs> I, I, I looked at him. I was like, oh, so how was Lu Yang? You know, you know, that's their, where their GSPLA <laughs> language spy school is. He's like, uh, Where's that? I haven't heard of it. And I'm like, yeah, bullshit. Anyway, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. And, uh, but the, uh, anyway, there's a lot of guys coming through like that. We don't know how many, a, a lot of the Chinese coming through, I think are probably honestly, uh, but how did they get out of China? how did they get those passports? That's what right? I can't figure it, out. Yeah. And so, you know, they tell you different things like, you know, China's collapsing, which I do believe China's economy is actually is, is, is in serious trouble. I mean, it kind of is pretty obvious if the European economy is in trouble, yep. which it is, and ours is as well, then there's, you know, it's like when you're climbing together and everybody's hooked into the same protection, top climber peels off, the rest are going with him, right? And uh, and so that's that's what's, you know, that's what's happening now. Everybody's peeling off at once. 
So this, again, the World Economic Forum has been crystal clear. This is something that they've been working on for years. They want to create food, energy, economic problems and force the migration of about 1.2 billion people. Right. And this will completely destroy the United States. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, so, sir. So that, that's the China portion of it. We're almost out of time, but I, I wanted to cover a couple other things. I know this is a little bit of a side thing, but you mentioned scabies there, and I thought it was interesting how, you know, obviously they said under the guise of protecting public health, they were able to violate human rights, you know, American civil liberties, shut down human movements, businesses, cross-state travel. Um, but now there's no concern. Now, when I see a bunch of people in bad conditions going through jungles like that, Aren't you going to pick up a lot of diseases? Oh, yeah. That's a huge concern. I mean, a massive concern. Not like, let's talk about that. Scabies. First of all, scabies is quite serious. That's where the term seven-year itch actually came from. And lice. Like a huge amount of these people coming through have lice. They're bringing it into the camps. That's why I'm starting to call these flights. They're putting them on lice flights. (laughs) And lice spread typhus, right? Uh, Epidemic typhus. There's different types of typhus. There's marine typhus spread by fleas, and then there's scrub typhus. We don't need to worry about that. And then, But epidemic typhus, I, I, I've been saying for a couple of years now, we're going to end up with typhus, with significant typhus outbreaks, epidemic typhus outbreaks. I, I, I can see it. I can see the conditions building for this. It's all about conditions, right? And typhus is one of those, you know, almost middle ages disease that people think has been put down, but it's still out there. We've just had it under control. Uh, let's get past that. We could go into that for a half hour. But, uh, another biggie is um, multi-drug resistant tuberculosis. That clearly is coming through. And I mean, every day it's crossing the border. And again, tuberculosis, when it comes to real like cat five, let's say you know, using the hurricane yep. system uh, pandemic, tuberculosis is up there with like smallpox. It's up there with like typhus it's up with yellow fever it's the big boys it's black death level even spanish flu is childlike compared to tuberculosis spanish flu is everybody knows i've read several books on spanish i've read more than five dozen books on pandemic because i'm a war correspondent and you know war pandemic and famine they all go together you need to study this whole ecosystem of things right but the um but the uh um but the um but when it comes to you know tuberculosis, it's one of the one of the biggies. Nobody really knows how many it's killed. But when you're reading history books, which I'm constantly reading voraciously, and you hear people talk about consumption, you'll often hear you know so and so the general died of consumption, or the monarch was felled by consumption, or actually two of Nixon's brothers died of consumption. That's tuberculosis, right? Tuberculosis is a big boy. The thing about the difference between something like Spanish flu and tuberculosis. Spanish flu, let's say it killed 20 million, nobody knows, but it did it very quickly, like boom, you know, lots of people dying very quickly. So it really, you know, hit on the radar, let's say. But tuberculosis is more like a slow cook, you know. One book that I read on tuberculosis, uh, you know, an estimate there, maybe it's killed a billion people, just nobody knows, you know. But the bottom line is multi-drug resistant tuberculosis is flowing over the border. Even CDC admits to this, right? Now, also malaria. Malaria, there's big malaria outbreak right now in uh, Darien Gap in Panama, huge. And, you know, one, uh, and also Costa Rica and dengue as well. Dengue uh, dengue is called breakbone fever because you feel like every bone in your body is broken when you get it. 
In fact, if you call me on my phone, when you when you just called me, actually, my ringer is the Aedes aegypti mosquito that spreads dengue. So it's constantly reminding me, you know, beware of mosquitoes. So, uh, but the um, uh, I've never gotten dengue or malaria somehow. But the bottom line is this malaria, this uh, one uh, tribal leader named Fris- Francisco Agape, he's a mayor of 29 Embora uh, in Wunan Indian villages in Darien Gap. He's a friend of mine. He said, you know, before the migration, we only had maybe one or two cases a year, which he's probably wrong. I think it was probably more than that. But he said now it's like uh, everybody's getting it. He said in the past when somebody got malaria, we would just everybody would say, hey, so and so got malaria. But now even his wife who was sitting at the table with us at our last dinner, he's, you know, she had malaria. And uh, so malaria is knocking people down. Waterborne illnesses uh, are hitting a lot of the Indian children now out there in the villages I'm always out in. Um, Dengue, of course. Now, CCP, Chinese Communist Party, has specifically weaponized dengue and developed a drone system for dispensing the mosquitoes with it, as have Americans, by the way. Dengue is no joke. I mean, none of these diseases are, are something that you want. And, uh, and, and they're all coming at us like a multi-vector attack, a multi-vector um, biological warfare attack. For instance, um, well, we could go on for hours. But the bottom line is the disease is coming through are quite yep, serious. And, and, and the bottom line is suddenly the same people that were concerned with shutting us down don't want to shut off the flow just on account of that. Remember, we talked about the police powers of some dinky little county you know, to lock you down. And now somehow the entire federal government doesn't have the authority – to, to lock down international invasion, of course, because they want it. Um, man, this went by fast, uh, Michael, but one more thing. I want to just bring this full circle to, to our communities. And you mentioned something that really is very scary. I saw you put this out about taking over small counties because I've gradually watched people associate the mass migration more in big cities, which traditionally have been, but we are starting to see the colonization of rural counties with a lot of, um, you know, just just the last few years of millions of of new migrants coming in. What do you know about that and the intention behind it? Yeah, uh, I mean, they are definitely, uh, people are definitely being sent deliberately to this is a multi-layered attack, right? There's the biological aspects. There's the overwhelming aspects of just bringing in millions and millions of people to stress the system and and creating uh, racial tensions, intentional racial tensions. Uh, and and then there is the political side of sending people to, to districts. You saw these people up, and there was a black community up in Chicago was complaining, "Hey, why are they sending only 50 more people in our district?" I think they said 50, right? That, that kind of went viral a couple of days ago saying, you know, hey, they, they can take over our district. And I'm like, I've been warning you. I don't, I don't know what uh, what else to say. You've been voting for the people that are doing this. You know what I mean? It's like the, the Democrat voters are like all of a sudden realizing, hey, these guys aren't really on our side. And they call themselves Democrats. But I'm telling you, with the full force, again, genocide is unfolding. It's clearly Clearly, conditions, it's all about conditions. Amateurs are always talking about sparks. What will the spark be? It's always about conditions. Like you can have a whole firework factory blow up in the Darien Gap, and there's not going to be a forest fire because it's a rainforest. You know what I mean? You might have a fire for a day, and Mother Nature will put it out. But if you have one little spark in other places, boom, you know, half the state burns down because it's about conditions. Conditions are being set with food supply, energy supply, economies 
uh, collapsing, Darien Gap uh, um, route being opened up. So ev- maps are being handed out. I've got two of the maps here with me in my hotel room. Uh, it's just complete, uh, not just maps that are physically in your hand, but also uh, QR codes. You can go online and see the maps. I, I think I've sent you the QR code, yep. Daniel, yep. didn't I? QR okay. codes, and so, un- un- unbelievable. I mean, this is methodical. It's organized. It's orderly. It's not just a bunch of chaos of you know desperate people. I mean, there are desperate people, but it's being weaponized and organized at the top level. This has been a tremendous briefing. I just wanted to give people a little bit of a smorgasbord board of a, a couple of the elements of what you're doing, but I'd love to have you back again. Where could people follow your work? Uh, I'm on Locals, Michael Yon at Locals.com. My net last name is Yon, Yankee Oscar November, Y-O-N, not young, but Yon. And I'm also on Twitter every day for now. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Twitter may have gone work yep. again. So yep. it's Michael yep. underscore Yon. Underscore Yon. Keep up the great reporting and thanks so much. Looking forward to having you back again. Thank you, Daniel. Let's do it. Take care. So again, Michael Yan there. Nobody quite like him. Uh, the consummate old-time Green Beret. Uh, this guy, I mean, he knows so many languages all over the place. Um, always hard to rein him in on, on a first show because, you know, if you don't have it focused on any one issue, he's just he can go on and on about so many things. So, you know, we jumped around a lot there, but I wanted to give you just a sense of how this is not just, oh, you know, some Mexicans, some Central Americans, just some cartel activity. It's much broader. I know we had Joseph Humeyer talked about this on Friday, a lot of this. This is a much bigger geopolitical thing, and it can only go on if it's organized and ultimately with the consent of our government and all the NGOs and other governments they work with. Um, keep in mind, whenever you're dealing with extracontinentals, they got to go through that Darien Gap, which is a tiny rainforest. It's a chokehold. You could choke it off in three seconds. Uh, the Panamanian government doesn't want it. Obviously, you have the diseases. You have the China element. How do we have all these Chinese coming in, and what are they doing? There's no question many of them are indeed spies or subverters, um, and uh, our government wants that. The NGOs globally that they work with wants that. So this is about a lot more than just the grievances of one man or one campaign. This is about a genocide. They are committing it, and remember, never forget, everything you know our government did to us with COVID— they can and will do to us with food, fuel, migration, and the migration really ties into this. It has nothing to do even with kind of the traditional open borders versus tight immigration. Or It's not about a matter of immigration. This is a geopolitical weapon like war, famine, pandemics. You know, it's on par with that. It is a weaponization tool. Some of the people are desperate and they weaponize them to come. Some are, like we see with the Chinese— likely very well educated and strategically sent through there. Um, and again, I, I'd watch the public health side uh, because there are viruses that are not quarantinable, like we saw with coronaviruses once they come in like a flu. But then you have things that we don't have endemic to the country, but you could bring them in and then they become a problem. And then, of course, they'll say, hey, we need a dengue fever a virus, a TB, a vaccine, a TB vaccine, which, by the way, they're working on all this stuff. So there you have it. The, these guys think of everything. Sometimes I just, I don't know. I just think we're coming so late into this. How do we even solve it? But we have to be knowledgeable about it. We have to pray for guidance. But whatever it is, the rote politics that you hear on conservative talk radio doesn't cut it, so we're going to continue giving you this comprehensive look 
and what we need to be doing. Also, I would just say, it just underscores the need for a Monroe Doctrine. Stay out of the rest of the world, but be very engaged in our own hemisphere in terms of um, using a carrot and stick approach to get these nations on our side uh, in Latin America to work with us rather than working with China and other bad actors um, as we've been allowing to happen for really 50 years now uh, while we pissed around with uh, things like Ukraine and Afghanistan. What a what a waste of time, but uh, never too late to do the right thing because results ultimately are not in our hands. They're for God. And boy, there is no man-made solution here. We just got to do the right thing. Uh, let me know your questions, comments, concerns for Michael and our other guests at Daniel Hurwitz at StartMail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.